millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It is my honor to present you with a brand new Universal Championship. Tell you what, Logan Paul, I brought you a little gift. It's a map. You'll find the exact directions of where you can stick each and every one of those bottles of Prime. Yeah! Tell me when I'm telling lies! Oh, would you look at that? It is the end of June o'clock, which means it is the Cultaholic.com month in review. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, Tom Campbell, joined by the Cultaholic.com tribal editor. Editor-in-chief, uh, known war criminal Fraser Porters, not with us today, but Aidan Gibbons certainly is. Hello, Tom. Thank you for the introduction. It's all right. Yeah, no Fraser Porter with us today. No, he's dead. He is dead. We're sorry to announce it in this way. <laughs> I apologise to those who didn't know. No, he's not dead. He's in London, which is the next best thing. Yeah. Um, so it's just me and E this week because the Cultaholic team has been cleft in twain, split down the middle. Half of them have gone down to that London for money in the bank. So look out for Ross, Fraser Porter, uh, I believe my editing team, Dan Heppel, Joel Holland, and Ryan Lewis. Luke. And Luke, Ryan Luke. Yes. Am I calling him Ryan Lewis? Ryan Lewis is a better name in fairness. <laughs> it's a stronger name for him. Uh, Ryan Luke, the most handsome editor in all of wrestling, uh, also down with them as well. So the team are down there, and we're left in the north, aren't we? Yes, I mean, we're still the, we're still the hardest working men in show business behind Jack Atkins, of course. Of course, behind Jackie but they, Orlando. But Anna Bucitti decided that we, we were just too amazing that we had to stay in Newcastle to cover the show. <laughs> I know that Ross and Fraser are going to have the best of times and our team going to have the best of times because I did class at the castle back in September mm. and the energy is amazing when you go to a live show like that. I am quite glad to have a weekend off. <laughs> Actually just chill. Yeah, because I've got no radio work in. Bloody either. hell. Bloody hell. To the point where I'm trying to ease back on like work in my life. Yeah. Because I realise I'm getting old. You could actually have a life. I need to have a life. To the point where, like, last night, where I'd normally go, I need to start prepping for this, I need to start getting ready for that. I had nothing to do, so I played Tetris for half an hour. Oh, (laughs) dangerous. Carla, about three years ago, Carla, my lovely lady. Your lovely lady. About three years ago, had an addiction to Tetris. Really? But she was really, really good at it, to the point where I think she was there for four hours on the same level. (sighs) 
and she was really high whatever ranking it was and then she was like this this is ridiculous i can't play tetris for four hours and do nothing oh so she 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 went cold she turkey went on cold the tetris turkey on tetris jeez and since then we've briefly played tetris 99 which is on like the switch where you play tetris and fight like a hundred other people at the same time oh um, i quite like the way that people try and revamp tetris yeah. and apart from that she's Never played it because she'll get addicted again. Yeah. Oh, she no. knows. She knows it's. It'll. She'll lose hours yeah. to it. Like no, no drugs, no alcohol. Tetris. When the world shut down, similar story to your good lady, one from my good lady. When the world shut down during the pandemic, uh, Alex, we we put the um, we put the old Sims games on Alex's laptop and got them on there for about three o'clock in the afternoon. And she was like, "Oh, I remember this. This is great." And she sat there playing it. And we had our tea, and she sat there playing it. And then I went, "I gotta go to bed." It's like nine o'clock. So I went to bed. Next morning, half six, I was up. She was still there. <laughs> she played it through the night. She had like four kids by this point. She'd had four kids. She'd built this incredible house and uh, and she bought another house and she was doing that one up as well. And we've it's it's a it's a it's an anecdote now from the pandemic that we have because f- as Alex says, like I had no we had no control over yeah. anything. I, I was completely out of control. I think that week we were isolating as well. Like, I'm not in control of anything, but I'm in control of these little people inside the laptop. And I'll, and I'll focus on that. Maybe it was a similar thing with, yeah. with Carla. Is she like a sick sim player or is she like very serious? Where she does it all oh, Alex is annoyingly serious <laughs> with every game. And, and I love her. And I'm look, looking forward to making her contractually obligated to never leave me. <laughs> um, but, oh my God, she, takes, she plays every game really seriously to the point where she'll get really cross with me when I'm playing Hitman and I'm just running through that Formula One level. Dressed in a mascot outfit, stabbing people with a <laughs> screwdriver. It's like, that's not how you play Hitman! If you're like the King Babyface, like, and Red Dead just got, like, full... Oh, oh co- completely done. Like, yeah. she was playing Dreamlight Valley recently, and it's, like, complete... Like, I can't go any further in the game until this entire section has been it's completed finished, yeah. of tasks, mined of all materials, and cleaned completely. Never once has she hogtied a prostitute and tied her to the train track or anything. Not like in that. real life or in Red Dead oh. Redemption. <laughs> Me, I don't play Red Dead Redemption. Let's move on. Yeah. Beforehand. So this is where, in case you're wondering what's going on, this is where we get together and we go over to cultaholic.com, the website, and we'll talk about some of the big stories that captured the wrestling fans' imagination throughout June. Now, there's some really obvious news stories that broke, and we'll go and have a deep dive into those. But then at the end of the video, at the end of the, the podcast presentation, uh, we will look at some of the quirkiest stories that people have clicked on. And, and sort of analyse maybe why and sort of look at the lighter side of the wrestling. Yeah. Uh, we do like to start these, though, with a little reflect on a former uh, host of the uh, Cultaholic.com Month in Review in Jack Atkins. Yes, so we have another prepared telegram from Jack Atkins, a.k.a. Jackie Orlando, a.k.a. Bob Ross. <laughs> Bob Ross is Bob a Ross. new one? Yeah. But, but this week we have a telegram from Hattersley Business Park in Hull, of all places. <laughs> He's getting around. Um, addressed 27th of June, 2023. He begins, hello, you two. I've actually done work this month. I know. Here are my crib notes. Forbidden Door was good, eh? Money in the Bank would be a laugh because ladders and that. Tiger drivers are really, really cool. More Elton John and wrestling, preferably in a general manager setting. setting. Imagine the scenes. Oh. Right? I better get back to it. These filing cabinets aren't going to move themselves. <laughs> As ever, your pal, Keith Brimstage. P.S. <laughs> Find Forever mini review 
If, like me, you know that Virtual Pro Wrestling 2 is the best Nintendo 64 <laughs> THQ wrestling game, then you'll get some enjoyment out of it. If you're a modern WWE 2K fan, then probably not. A middle of the road 5 out of 10, 6 out of 10, if I'm feeling nice, and a good platform to build potential sequels on. 6 out of 10, said, said, said as a true fed dick rider yeah i mean we, we, we will come to fight forever <laughs> yeah later. i'm up for, i'm up for chatting fight forever in a little bit but thank you to uh, jackie orlando who um he corresponds now a bit like the uncle in fraggle rock because uh, he no longer lives in the northeast he moved back to the motherland to liverpool yeah so we only speak now via the power of zoom all these mystical letters that just keep turning yeah. up like hogwarts <laughs> invitations just the odd fax message every now and sometimes then. it's a fax sometimes it's dropped off by an owl <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine he's got a pet pigeon, you know. Ah, he's got. Yeah. He's, 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 he's got a. Pet he's, got a he's got a. He's got a. He up to the roof of his house. There's, there's <laughs> several hundred yeah. in there, like that Pigeon Man episode of, of Hey Arnold. That's Jack Atkins. So let's talk June as as June dies away in front of our very eyes to make way for July. Uh, some of the big stories from June. Where are we kicking off this month? Hey, done. So we'll kick off with the biggest story of the month, arguably the debut of AW Collision, which is AW's new Saturday night show. Mm-hmm. Big month for AW after what's really been a tough year for them overall. Um, but after months of rumours and speculation and endless Tony Khan announcements, God, he loves an announcement. Um, we had the premiere of <laughs> AW Collision um, on Saturday, June 17th from the United Center in Chicago. The new series expands AW's burgeoning partnership with Warner Brothers Discovery in the United States. And basically the show started from the request of David Saslav because he wanted, I want more AW content. Give me time on Give Saturday Give me more nights. wrestling. And Tony Khan's like, I could always do more wrestling, more booking time. <laughs> and, of, and of course he's done it. <laughs> Tony Khan's somehow having to find another, another 19 hours yes. in the day <laughs> to bring it to life. He must never sleep, you know. No, of course not. Those are the eyes of a man that never sleeps. Yeah. One uh, way or another. Yes, one way or the other. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> But the big thing for the debut of Collision was the return of CM Punk. We've mentioned him a lot, and we will have more CM Punk later. But CM Punk straight away comes out for the opening of the show and immediately plays a um, a tweener. Gets big applause from the fans in Chicago, because it's his hometown. But he immediately grabs headlines by saying, David David Saslav, the CEO of Warner Brothers, calls him one Bill Phil because he's the one true genuine article in a business filled with counterfeit bucks. Oh, slammed. He he went there straight away. Cheeky bugger. And not only that, but Punk repeatedly shouted, tell me when I'm telling lies because CM Punk is a a big truth teller now. Um, I thought he was a member of Fleetwood Mac, to be honest, (laughs) screaming about telling lies. Sweet little lines. No? Anyone? Hello? Nah, it's, it's on? Is this on? It's a Fleetwood Matt joke? No? Tough crowd. Yeah. Tough crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and then as his promo came to a close, Punk apologised to the fans in a t- um, busy around the world who felt he needed to because the only people softer than you are the wrestlers you like. <laughs> <laughs> Punk then headed backstage, had a, had a big wash. And he came out for the minute. <laughs> he, he got the Clinique soap out. He got on his um, he's got on his free dim pot spot remover and all that sort of shite. And then he comes out. Teams of FTR to defeat Samoa Joe and Bullet Club Golden. And a frankly very good main event. Really good very main event. Um CM Punk obviously bookending the first episode of Collision, yeah. the show that essentially was built around him. Uh the promo at the start, I thought was a, was was not the promo that I thought it would be. 
I wasn't quite sure what I thought it would be. I mean, I mean, initially, I think I might have mentioned this when we were together for the last month's one. I, I would have loved it if he'd come out to go, right, I'm going to speak some truth. And then Samoa Joe just chokes him the fuck out. Yeah. Straight back to business. But no, I think he had to get some stuff off his chest and uh, certainly made some headlines with the counterfeit Bucks line. I seem to remember the Young Bucks changing their Twitter bio to, uh, in another time, we would have had counterfeit Bucks shirts available at ProWrestlingTees.com yeah. by now. I mean, I, like, I'd, I covered the show live for the website and I was just sat there and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, here we go again. So I was just fusely typing while trying to actually write the results at the same time and everything else going on. But I, I got it done. Well done, mate. Look at that hard work, hardest working know, man yeah. in showbiz. But, I mean, it was... It's a memorable promo, but the only thing that was weird is he didn't actually build in the main event. <laughs> no, it was just, I think it was just CM Punk. Um, get, getting everything off his chest. Just getting some vitriol, get some vitriol out of his system. Just, yeah. you know, just, just venting some poison from, from, his, uh, from his soul and then getting ready for the main event, which as you say, was a good main event. A nice yeah. way to bring CM Punk back. And without having a, without ha- with a, by doing so, you're saving the big singles return for the pay-per-view, mm. which I think was the plan. But elsewhere, what you had is Andrade Elidolo defeated Buddy Matthews and what was, quite frankly, a banger. Mm. And Miro returned, which is always nice to see when he actually wrestles. Um, they've got a new announced team as well. It's Kevin Kelly from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Nigel McGuinness, everyone loves Big Nigel. And Jim Ross, who only comes out for the main event. Um, Jim Ross did come out for the main event of the debut episode, but he's since said that he's stepping away because he fell earlier that day and he sounded dreadful, bless him, yeah, he did. on commentary. Um, and reports from Dave Meltzer have since stated that Jim Ross might have actually had a concussion, but did the commentary anyway. He didn't sound good. He just sounded awful. He just didn't like, and and uh, he just sounded ill. Yeah, is, is the big thing. And I just uh, and I and I get that it's it's a weird one because the things I hear levelled at Jim Ross is like is that he's his passion's not there anymore. Hmm. But then I also hear people say this is all he's got. And that's why he's so eager to do it, even when he's not well. Yeah. So it's one or the other. I feel for him. I feel that um, he will always be a legend in wrestling. Like when you do an impression of a wrestling commentator, you do an impression of Jim Ross. Like that's how you know into into the the weeds of the wrestling law he truly is. But I feel like, in my humble, boring ass opinion. The longer he hangs around, I think the more damage he it risks does. doing. Yeah, it definitely is tarnishing his legacy now. Because, I mean, yeah. he was even all right until, like, 2017, 2018. So I remember he did that Tyler Bay Pete Dunn match for NXT TakeOver Chicago or something. Mm. And he was amazing there. But it's just got... The, he, was, he was all right at New Japan in the sense that he, he just gave a gravitas to their US broadcasts. Yeah. But he's, he's just he just passed it, isn't he? He just seems, he, he always sounds so jaded. But I don't yeah. know how much that is him just not feeling well or just him genuinely being quite jaded by wrestling. Yeah. Which I can get. And the people will argue, yeah, well, <clears throat> Jim Ross always speaks, you know, the truth about how he feels, a very honest commentator. <clears throat> there was a thing that whereby, <clears throat> I think he was calling out wrestlers for flips and stuff like that and dives to the outside. He did it on commentary. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I, I hear it, like, I do. I get that. That's not your vibe, and you and you speak that truth. But I just think, as someone, like, and, and I do, I work for multiple wrestling promotions as a commentator, and I know that my role is to make the product shine, yeah. not to get my own personal opinions across as to what's good and what's not. I have called some incredible wrestling matches over the years. I've also called some stinkers. And I don't ever think it's my place to point out when a match is crap, but more to point out the strength of the match and accentuate the positive. And 
and I, and does that make does that make a commentator like me a sellout in some way? I don't care. It's I, the job. It's the job. Your job is to make something look good and look strong. And I think Jim Ross a few times has let his own personal opinions on stuff get in the way of that. I mean, this is going to sound awful, but like. You had it at double or nothing where I think it was Matt Menard knocked over his coffee. And during the comedy, he just started shouting stupid at him. And this is going to sound awful, but it's almost got to the point, like, do when you get really old? And, like, we've all seen it with, like, grandparents and stuff, but they get to the point where they'll just say whatever the hell they want, basically. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter if it affects anybody. Like, they'll just say it. And I think he's reached that point of his life, basically, but... Not every granny's on TV. <laughs> there is that. Well, look, get well soon, Jim. Yeah. Like, for all, for all that being said, an absolute icon of professional wrestling, but do get well soon. Rest up for as long as you need to. But outside of Jim Ross's commentary and the commentary as a whole, but that just need a little bit of work. It needs, it, yeah. it could have, uh, Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness are both excellent, but it was just, it felt like there was a, they just a lack used of to it. yeah, it was it was growing pains a little bit. It was two very distinct styles, and just neither really knowing what to interject where. And yeah, we were saying part of it might be with Nigel on that. He's never really done like live TV. Like when he did NXT, it was taped, mm. and when he did Ring of Honor, it was taped outside of maybe the takeover events and pay per views. I mean, I mean, I I think him doing live commentary for the takeovers were fantastic. Yeah, I thought he was great. When he's across from the right person, I think it's just, and it's matching that energy. I think um, part of it will be he hasn't done it since like 2019 or something, because it's been four years. Yeah, so it's been a little, he was doing, he did progress just before this. So yeah, yes. progress is a bit of a, a, a run up again mm. to do some more stuff. And uh, obviously he did Ring of Honor as well. And I thought he sounded good doing Ring of Honor. Yeah. Uh, it's just a case, I think they just got to find their groove a little bit. A little bit of groove again. Yeah. But essentially outside of a few little niggly things, the reception to Collision has been positive so far. Um, the perception backstage was everyone was pretty happy that it had a different vibe to Dynamite. Um, and the backstage atmosphere was positive. And also Warner Brothers Discovery has had to be thrilled with the show so far. Ratings-wise, the first episode of the United States drew 816,000 total viewers. Now he said 816 total. <laughs> um, <laughs> at a 0.33 rating. Um, the, the second episode has had a similar drop to past episodes of Dynamite and Rampage, where it's now fallen to 595,000 in a 0.21 rating. But either way, Warner Bros. Discovery are going to be happy because what they were airing in that time slot already, I think it was just Big Bang Theory reruns or something like that. Um, and they were already getting between a 0.1 and 0.15 rating in the time slot. So it's already beating what was there before. Yeah, so they're not going to complain about getting better ratings. I don't know whether I thought you were going to say the Big Bang Theory did better, which I don't know whether it had that effect like phrase, like playing Frasier on Channel Four yeah, had in the eight, UK. Eight o'clock every morning. Or yeah, something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a yeah. reboot in Frasier for the last fifteen years. Just, I love that. It's my, it's a, it's a weird television anomaly we have in the UK. And it's if you are, everybody loves Raymond, doesn't it? Yeah, every, it's normally it's a block on Channel Four in the morning. They do have everybody loves Raymond, Frasier, sometimes King of Queens. Yeah, and they used to do Will and Grace, I think. Yeah, years they ago, did. Years ago. But it was, but definitely Frasier has always factored into that block. Yeah. And, and for 15 years, they have started every weekday morning with two episodes of Frasier. And then when they get to the end, they just reboot, they restart it. They just rewind and start again. I've, I've on one occasion caught that infamous block where the last episode is aired Ooh. and then there's been an ad break and then it's been episode one again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you feel so cold 
Because you're like, like what's going have, on? We have to work through all this again. Yeah. Niles and Daphne just got together. I did it with E4 in like 2008, where it was a, it was a six o'clock um, every week every week afternoon, basically, where it would be friends. And then you got to the end, the 45 minute special, which split into two episodes, and then you back to episode one. It was just like. Oh, right, right. Yeah, it just it leaves you feeling a bit cold. I mean, Netflix has ruined that now, basically, because you just binge. You just binge it, and then you just feel cold, go, I don't know what else to watch now. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, Collision is beating the Big Bang Theory. Yes. Which is, which is good news for AEW. Be worried if it wasn't. But essentially also on the show, there was some scrapped plans. We always like it when there's, grap- when there's been scrapped plans. I love scrapped plans. The, the main event was 27 minutes. Very, very good match. But the reason it went so long was because Kenta was originally scheduled to attack Punk after the match. And they were, of course, going to wrestle. They were just holding on for him to come out. <laughs> Basically, just waiting. No, okay, a bit more. <laughs> but all, all the rumours had Kenta and CM Punk. That match was planned for Forbidden Door, but it didn't end up happening because Kenta rejected a match with Punk. I mean, they've had issues for years over Punk adopting the goat to sleep with his finisher. Yeah, so I th- it seemed like a good place to... To, to finally to fi- have it. To finally have the thing happen. Yeah. And Kenta's just gone, nah, fuck off, basically. So, so that was, was it Kenta then that went, Kenta went, no. Punk, Punk was open to it. Punk went, okay. But I mean, Punk was probably winning. Yeah, maybe and... that's why Kenta didn't like it. Because I heard that Punk was a, bit, was a bit annoyed about the fact that there hadn't been much build to it. Yeah, In but... that ESPN interview, he kind of referenced. But that, that felt like a storyline thing. Yeah, but, more so than the actual thing. Yeah, but th- there was also the thing where... I mean, the build's just been there for years, hasn't it? Because social media and all the other stuff where they just have a go at each other all the time. Kenta regular tweets going, fuck CM Punk. Yeah. But, but she hasn't done since because apparently Kenta now has heat with New Japan for turning down the map. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see where... I think it's the G1, so it'll probably be all right by then, but we'll see where it goes. So we might potentially still get it. Yeah, but... God knows when. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I suppose he'll just get battered by... Oh, he's fighting Eddie Kingston soon, so I suppose Eddie Kingston can hit him really hard. <laughs> That'll teach him. <laughs> That'll teach yeah. you, lad. That'll teach you. <laughs> but Punk back in the mix, though. Yeah, so it, 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 one thing that Punk's return has done is um, all the discourse, a lot about Collision's debut in the second episode, but of course, the one thing that continues to hang over the whole of AEW, really is the backstage issues between CM Punk and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. I mean, this is the seventh month in a row we've talked about this and CM Punk's. It just keeps coming. And I mean, people are probably sick listening to it. I'm sick of writing about it. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're thinking about the whole thing. I, yeah, I must admit, when there's, when there's new details that come out, you go, okay, you do. You, and I just think, can we just push this down the agenda in any yeah. way? Like, in the sense that you're sort of hoping that eventually there'll be a resolution one way or the other, but at the minute, they were just sort of in a limbo, basically, seeing where it's all going to go, which we will now cover, basically. Mm-hmm. But in the days ahead of the debut of Collision, <laughs> it, it suddenly emerged from reports that CM Punk had done an interview with ESPN. Um, I think it's Mark Raimondi. I'm hoping I'm saying that correctly. But he'd done an interview and it was said to be polarizing. Oh, good. Quote, unquote. We read that, didn't we? And we all went, oh, no. oh <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. But during the interview, um, the backstage rumours that the prior episode of Dynamite was that Punk had made derogatory comments about Hangman Page, saying that he felt Page was shooting on him in their AW World title match at Double or Nothing 2022. Th- I mean, th- there was also bits about Kenta, but that was said to be in storyline. But mm. th- there was just more 
more drama, basically. And, and then the interview came out, and it was nowhere near as bad as we were all expecting, based on the sort of backstage, the initial backstage reaction. How could it have not it. been bad? We had notable wrestling journalists doing the eyes emoji. Yeah, you, also, you had Wade Keller. <laughs> Wade Keller all spot off, bless him. Wade God, Keller's very him. good, but he spotted off. Are you going? I hear there's something coming above punk, and it's, it's going to be bad. We're all like, <laughs> he was oh, talking no. about a new Sex Pistols album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was we all just took it the wrong way yeah. we just assume everything is wrestling well, right you just read pop punk it's back baby <laughs> that was it <laughs> but no it, it, it was about chick magnet um and then i mean the interview came out and it it, it happened and i read through it it came out at 5 30 p.m over here on the friday night reading through it because he going doesn't i'm gonna write about it but it's not as bad as what it seems to be but it, it, it did basically detail all the backstage issues that we knew about anyway so if, if you don't read anything that we put out, you would have had no idea about this. Effectively on TV, CM Punk has disappeared mm. and then just coming back. This is a big issue that I think when you do something like this, you do forget, you get lost in the weeds of it. In that if you, people who just watch the wrestling... Wouldn't know anything about this. They don't this, know any yeah. of this. And it's not played out on air. And it, as you say, Punk just vanished and then came back and went, Hello. Tell me what I'm telling lies. Yeah. All right, where you been? <laughs> like someone's really confused going, Why see a Punk making fake money? Yeah. <laughs> 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 All that sort of rubbish. Um, but the, he detailed the backstage issues that have been going on for over a year. He, he did take shots at Hangman Page in the interview where he explains their issues started over Page's work as rights promo and the belief that Punk played a hand in AEW's initial decision to not renew Cole Cabana's contract. Of course, Cole Cabana's contract was eventually renewed, but he was then banished to Ring of Honor. Banished. Banished. And then during the time where Punk's been gone, Cabana's now backstage again at AEW doing producing again, so we'll see what happens there. Mm. But apparently Punk was so unhappy about the promo. I mean, we've already covered this, but he said it officially. Um, He was so unhappy that he considered not working their double or nothing match over fears that Page would shoot on him during their (laughs) AEW World title match. I mean, watching the match at the time, because I don't think I covered it live, but I watched it later, was that... The match seemed like a very good match outside of Punk's botched buckshot lariats, but people have drawn attention to there's a moment where Hangman chops Punk and he accidentally chops him in the face. People are going, mm, was it intentional or was it not? Shit happens in wrestling. I don't think we'll ever really know. Because Hangman, that, that's one thing that we, like, we'll get onto a bit more later, but Hangman's not spoken about this at all. No, he hasn't spoken about anything. He just, he just very quietly just cracks on. Yeah, he just, he just kept calm and carried on. But... Elsewhere in the interview, Punk does reveal that he apologised to Tony Khan after his, his infamous AW All Out media scrum, where he just went on a huge rant and kept me awake until 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and he wants to have a sit down with the elite over all their issues. Punk said that he's tried and failed to reach out to the elite, and he's just got messages of lawyers basically saying, do not contact these people. And what we've heard is Punk's like, I, I just want to have a sit down with them, we'll try and sort it all out. I think there are sort of hopes that that will eventually happen from fans and mm. from within AEW as well. Since that, what we have heard, and this is from Dave Meltzer, who um, some people basically, in terms of fan bases and people that comment on this, there isn't a lot of trust from Meltzer. I mean, we trust them, obviously, but the idea is Meltzer has been too close to this story the whole time, really. Yeah, the general consensus is that Dave Meltzer is an AEW fan and is painting them in a more favourable light than others. And yes. I, 
I do personally believe a lot of that stuff. There is, there might be some truth to it, but from what I see, a lot of it seems to be confirmation bias from people. Yeah. In the same way that, you know, in the same news video we put out, we'll have one person say, oh, AEW fanboys over here. And other people going, why are you always slagging off AEW? Yeah, people so, just find what they want to find. Yeah, it's confirmation bias. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll find whatever opinion you want to have of people. Yeah, so with the aforementioned collision probe on the ESPN interview, what we've since heard mostly from Dave Meltzer is that um, while the Young Bucks took the comments lightheartedly, the divisions within the AEW locker room are now at a pretty bad point and have only worsened as a direct result of Punk's ESPN interview and Collision promo. I mean, I've got a big chunk of Meltzer to read, so if you can't follow... Oh, <laughs> dies down for a full hour. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to do my best. Uh, Meltzer said this while speaking to WrestleNomics and Post Wrestling, so not even his own publication. But he starts off with going, there's a lot of divisiveness. It's so frustrating to me because I see it so closely and I feel it shouldn't be there. It's worse now than it's been. It hasn't gotten better. Right now, it's at a pretty bad point. I'm of the impression that people were expecting worse than it turned out to be, but you still have people who really like Adam Page were not happy. And I think there's this feeling of everybody there is pretty much told to keep the stuff on the inside, on the inside. If it gets out, it's not good for the company. The feeling is that one side is agreeing to do that and the other side is not. But the thing is that on both sides, they think it's the other side. So it's become a really weird thing. Mm. When it comes to the ESPN story, there was a lot of people who felt that he shouldn't have gone after Page. Even if privately he believed it, this wasn't the time to do it. Page is not someone that is going to answer back, so he becomes the bad guy. If you notice from day one, Page has never said a word about anything, and he's a focal point of the story. The reason is because he feels the best thing is to not say anything. It's become a tough thing, and it makes it a tough work environment when one side will go after the other and the other side is not saying anything, which has to frustrate them because they can't say anything or they feel it's best not to them. And now they're the victims. It's just a tough situation. It's just, it's it's so silly <laughs> that yeah. we can't just get together. And um, it feels like, oh, we can't do that because of them and they can't do that because they might do this. And it's just... Like, they just need to get in the same... I think it's one of the situations where... If you got them in the same room, mm. it would probably be fine. They'd, they'd sort it. Like I know there's always going to be issues where, I mean, because A. Steel allegedly did hit Nick Jackson with a chair and did bite Kenny Omega, where it's a bit like, right, this did escalate too far, but mm. we can, we're, we're not going to like each other. I would, we're not going to go out for ice cream sundaes and cups <laughs> of tea, but <laughs> like as long as they can just sort Because that's a cold thing and a hot drink. And that's just going to just, just not that's going to be a mess on the palate. As mate. a work, it doesn't. As a meal, it doesn't work. At no, all. no, no. It needs to be a cold and a cold and a hot and a hot. No, actually, you can't even have a, a hot and a cold because like that was like a roast dinner and a cup of tea. No, yeah, too hot. It's too hot. Be cold and a hot and a hot and a cold. Yeah. Unless it's a cup of tea in the morning with a bacon sandwich, that's fine. Yeah, it's fine in the go. morning, afternoon, no. But, 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 but that was a tangent. But um, <laughs> it's worth talking about. It is true. The it news, is true. isn't it? Um, but what we've since heard from Meltzer again is Punk was on Dynamite the basically a few days after Collision, and there's a top name in AEW that, that left Dynamite in a foul mood because they think the issues between CM Punk and the Elite are a ticking time bomb that will not have a happy ending. I mean, Meltzer then talks about the issues where Punk has tried to reach out to the Elite, and but the Elite have said that he hasn't tried to reach out, so either one side's lying or... Basically, the lawyers haven't told the elite that he's actually trying to get in touch. Yeah, someone's not checking their messages. And then we've got, we've had more backstage drama with Dax Harwood and stuff like that. Um, overall, apparently, FDR are fine with everybody backstage. They went out the way to sort it all out. So it's now purely between the elite and CM Punk. Um, 
the elite and CM Punk were then backstage at Forbidden Door and they were kept as far away as possible. <laughs> like, I feel like one of them's just in, like, Connecticut and the other one's in Toronto somewhere. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing with Dynamite and Collision was the idea that having two separate touring brands you means that you can, get, you can get both the books and punk on your shows yeah. without having to worry about them colliding, but pun intended. An interesting side note to all of this as well is that Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks and Hangman page are all in talks over new deals with AEW. So we'll see how this sort of all plays out, basically. And undoubtedly we'll talk about it next month and the month after and the month after that. And we'll complete a whole year of talking about CM Punk. <laughs> I know there's been some, I think it might have been Meltzer saying this, I know there's been some interest from WWE uh, regarding Omega and the Bucks and but, Hangman and Hangman, but because they're so tied up in AEW contracts at the moment that contracts coming to an end, they sign them up to a new one. They can't get a window to offer them anything legally. Yeah. I mean, I think the contracts come at the end of this year at some point, or maybe like early twenty twenty three. By the time we've got all the injury time, twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four. By the time I've had all the injury time added on, um, but I feel like they probably will resign by by that point anyway. I think yeah. they'll stay. We thought about Cody, though, didn't we? That, that is true. <laughs> what a time that is yeah. as well. Uh, speaking of Cody, the, uh, the story never ends, uh, and the title that he's going for may be a completely different one anyway, because all the belts changed yeah. pretty much in June, didn't they? Oh, I mean, it was plenty of changes. All changed. I mean, you had changes at the end of May when we covered there was a new World Heavyweight Championship, Seth Rollins is the champion of that and the top star on Raw, basically. But then Triple H basically went, fuck it, I'm going to change everything. Because the story never ends, as you've said. Story never ends. We first had Roman Reigns come out to celebrate passing a thousand days as Universal Champion. It's a fucking long time, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but they basically went, that's a light blue belt, that's a black belt. Fuck them, here's a new gold belt. And I, like At first, I saw a really bad screenshot, I thought, that's the colour of piss. Yeah, but, a but few people called it the piss belt. The piss belt, but I mean, I don't mind, it's gold. It looks nice. Fraser says that the uh, the, the design on it and the colour makes it look like noodles. Noodles? The noodle championship. Ooh. Noodle-versal championship. What type of noodles is the question? Is he having good, authentic noodles or pot noodles? Oh, it's going to be the super noodles you get. Oh, where you, God, yeah. Where you put hot water on top yeah. of it. Oh. For the best, those oh. grim ones. Awful. There were some questions when it comes to the unveiling of Roman's belts. Yes. We'll get to the others in a moment. Um, about the lineage that this new belt represents. Yeah, because obviously, obviously it's weird because the WWE Championship has been around since the 1960s and Buddy Rogers and all that, and all that good stuff. Well, the Universal title's only really been around since 2016, so it was, I mean, what is the lineage going to be? Is it a completely new belt? Is it all merged? And basically what we found out is that once Roman loses, whenever that is in 2019 or something, the belt will just have the lineage of the, uni uh, of the WWE Championship and effectively the Universal title will be effectively retired lineage-wise. Yes, so it's, so it's the lineage of the WWE title. That is going to continue, yes. Uh, but with a little bit of the Universal title on the side for a bit. Yeah, and, and, and part of that is since Roman has been given the big gold belt, he's, he's just taking the piss here, isn't he? He's, you've got Paul Heyman carrying the WWE he's still Championship and the, the Universal title. And the idea there is to transfer basically the prestige of those belts onto the new gold one, essentially. I wonder whether at Money in the Bank he'll walk out with just the gold one, and that might be yeah. the first time. They said it was only going to be like a short-term thing, but I think it was just going, hey, look, remember, these are all together. Mm, maybe. May, um, yeah, mind you, I guess, because no, they're not going to split them off from what we gather, so I imagine we'll just see Paul walk out on Saturday in London yeah. with Adam. 
Yeah. That will sort of be the way they go. Uh, the women's division had a big upheaval this month as well, didn't it? Yes, I mean, we called this last month. So we big, did. So big up, so big up us. Um, they've effectively gone the direction of the 2002 brand split where instead of having the Raw and SmackDown title, women's titles now, you've now got Asuka, who is the WWE Women's Champion on SmackDown, and Rhea Ripley on Raw is the, is the Women's World Champion. Yes. So... The belts as well, they've tried to present it as sort of equal to the men's titles, where Rhea Ripley's belt is effectively the World Heavyweight title, but with a white strap, and says women's belt on it. And it's the same for Asuka, basically, where it's got a white strap instead of black, whatever Roman Reigns has. Mm. So that's the change. I like it. Really like it. Yeah. And it, it means it makes that you it easy. Can, it makes it easy. It means that when you do drafts and brand splits and, and brand swaps and stuff, it doesn't have to be as awkward as... You know, the Raw Women's <laughs> Champion on SmackDown or handing the belts over to one another like they've done in the yeah. past. Especially when, like, that, that was what caused all the issues between Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch, wasn't it, in 2021? Yeah. It, it, it was just crap as well, because they'd also counted it as a separate title reign. So I think the Street Profits are, like, three or two-time champions purely because them in the New Day swap belts. They handed the belts to each other. Yeah. Hated it. Like, there, hated you, it. there you go, pal. I was like, cheers. I was like, mm. that. Shite. Mm. <laughs> so, so I'm glad they've got rid of that. Um, in terms of the reason why WWE made all these changes, literally Triple H just wanted to have a new look on TV. Easier, fair enough. Yeah, and and to get rid of the issue of the Raw and SmackDown titles having to be swapped about all the time. There was some frustration over the use of the word undisputed in June uh, because obviously Roman Reigns still being called the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. Asuka's belt has undisputed WWE Women's Champion on it. So there was reports of internal frustration over the labeling of a belt that's undisputed when there are belts similar in similar divisions, which would argue that it is disputed. Yeah. Now, I have a defense for this. Okay. And I think the way that you have to look at this is that every belt is a separate division. So if we're going with the... If, if we're keeping the legacy of the WWE Championship, but we're calling it the Universal Championship, Roman is the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. There because, is no disputing... Yeah, there's no disputing Roman Reigns is the champion. Yeah, there's no disputing that Roman is the Universal Champion. In the same way, there is no disputing that Seth Rollins is the World Champion. Yeah. He's the undisputed World Champion. Asuka is the undisputed women's champion if it was women's universal champion i might go away with that a bit more yeah rhea ripley is the undisputed women's world champion they just happen to be undisputed in their division yeah like if, if you compartmentalize it it all yeah it all makes sense but i see the frustration where people where people get that from and i respect it yeah it's like undisputed uh, but there is technically two of them but there is all it just depends how you look at it really yeah it? it is an undisputed era you might say in oh. w Similar, similar coming for the women's belts as well, if it hasn't happened by the time you hear this, uh, which is obviously Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler have unified the NXT women's tag and the WWE women's tag. Yes, not going to lie, I forgot that happened. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just hoying that in there, there. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see maybe some new belts there too. I have got an explanation for why I forgot this happened though. Okay. So I went to Spot White a few weeks ago, well, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> got, got very drunk, but they just have BT Sport on play, basically. <laughs> so I was there pissed at 2 here watching it, just being like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> <laughs> so it was me for Pang trying to eat some like chicken and nachos, that sort of shit. And what a lovely like, day. And I was just, it was a very good day, but then I was just like, it went out, went poof, out my brain, forgot that all happened. <laughs> just completely forgot about it. But yeah, so they've the, the scrapped the NXT titles, haven't they? It's now just the, 
they're going to have it where Ronda Rouse and Shayna Baszler just do all three brands because that's what we've heard as well, isn't it? Where Nick Khan, a sort of initiative from him is that NXT two years after it became developmental again is going to move away from being developmental and mm. back into sort of becoming a third brand once again. It's funny how their definition of what it is changes when TV rights yes, deals yeah, come yeah. around. And it's a case of, you know, I get that USA probably might not be interested in paying big bucks for what is called a developmental brand, which is why all of a sudden, when all these TV rights deals are being discussed, no, it's a third very important show. Yeah. Very important brand. Seth Rollins was on it. Rhea Ripley was on it. Look, Baron Corbin's on it. Yeah, you know, so th- there's there's a re- there's a method to that madness. There, it's called capitalism. Capitalism is what it <laughs> is. Uh, speaking of capitalism, uh, go and buy fight forever. That's what we've been told to do. Uh, after many years in development, we finally have AEW Fight Forever. Yeah, so we were told back God and. We were told back in early 2021 by you that the game had been development since the summer of 2020. Mm. A bad time to start development, the pandemic. But, I mean, the game was actually meant to come out in late November. Late November? Yeah, late November 2022. But it was pushed back because they were trying to get, I think it's a, it's a teen rating they got in the United States. Um, they didn't want rated R despite all the blood. They, they got that rating, but it's finally out. I mean, as of the day of recording, it's out today. Uh, but when's this going out on? Well, it's going out Friday, the 30th of June. Lovely. So it's been out one whole day. It's been out a whole day. You have seen all your favourite wrestling YouTubers uh, reviewing it, live streaming it, and Inclu- all that jazz by Inc- now. Including us. Including us. And you. And me. I was on yesterday. You can check yeah. out the Twitch. Adam Pajiti was doing the Road to the Elite on Wednesday night. That was that would be a quick stream for him. Yeah, it was about three hours. Yeah. <laughs> Got it done. Uh, Fraser Porter gave us a lovely in-depth review of the game yes, as well. Yes, bless it. was about 3,000 words. I was, I was chatting to him because um, we've had the game for a couple of weeks. Spoiler. So, spoiler. So, um, Ukes and THQ very nicely sent it to us. Sent us lots of codes wonderfully. Um, but what he's been playing it for weeks, so we, we sort of knew what the reception was going to be in advance, obviously. Mm. But he, wrote, he, he bashed out 3,000 words. Amazing. What a guy. Um we, we have reviewed it, but the game is out on Xbox and PlayStation consoles, as well as Nintendo Switch and PC. So if, if you're on a flight, you can get it on your Switch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and effectively, our condensed review down from 3,000 words uh, is the game is bare bones. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost failing to meet fan expectations where th- there could be a good game in there if they update it a lot, but it, it might be a bit like the Sea of Thieves and Snowman's Skies of the gaming world where it might be good eventually, but right now there's probably not a lot that's going to grab your attention. And your tone when saying this has been the overriding thing for me when I've yeah. read anything about AEW, Fight Forever. There comes with this wave of anxious apologeticness when it comes to reviewing this game because wrestling fans are so fucking tribal that the thought of anybody slagging this game off would just be seen as basically kicking a puppy named yeah. Tony Khan in the face. <laughs> and it's not the case at all. And it's and that's been the whole thing is that all the reviews have been like, nah, it could be good. It's I mean- like... Yeah, like even Jack Atkins, who likes to tend to five and six out of ten, that's generally been the consensus. This is a five. Jack Atkins loves AEW. And he loves WF No Mercy. Yeah. But the consensus is this is a five or six out of ten. It's so, like, what I noticed is, so I spent a lot of time, we'll get into the actual game, I just wanted to tell a quick rant about the reviews, um, is that all the video games, all the wrestling channels that reviewed it 
all the comments are like, oh, you're pro AEW, of course you're going to say that, or you're pro WWE, of course you're going to say you that. You can't win. You know, okay, let's go to let's go to a non-wrestling channel's review of the game. It's the same as ours. And it's the same. However, IGN really shot themselves in the foot oh, with God. their review. They gave it a 6.5 out of 10, but during the review, they make reference to Roman Reigns, to which... Everybody has jumped on this and gone, well, it's clearly a biased review because they like WWE. Clearly they're biased. Like, how can you let them review it? How can you take this review seriously? They're clearly biased to WWE. They're clearly WWE dick riders. And like, they're not. They made a reference to wrestling that they know. They're non-wrestling fans making a wrestling reference. It's like when my dad goes, hey, wrestling, hey, how's Big Daddy and Giant A-Stacks doing? Yeah. I don't think for a second my dad's fucking shilling for world of sport. He's making a reference to connect the dots. Jesus, are we so far gone that something like that makes people people's heads fizzle? Yeah. Christ. Has the brain rot been that strong? If the game's not good, it's not good. If the game's great, it's great. But also, amongst all of that, it doesn't fucking matter. If you like it, fucking have a great day. Invite your mates around, have a lovely night. If you don't like it, play something fucking else. I mean, it's not like you'd like your... Ha! Literally 2K23 <laughs> exists. You can just play yes! the rest. Or there's, there's another wrestling game on the, on the Switch, which is like Gang Beasts. Oh, there you go. Play Gang Beasts. Play that. Play Gang Beasts. What else has happened? Um, in terms of um, uh, the game itself, have you had much hands-on? With I, have, I haven't played it. So right. Every fucker else in this office has played it except me. So <laughs> uh, in my a little cliff note bit from me, uh, from playing it, there's lots to like about it. The gameplay is really quick. Uh, it's easy to pick up. If you're a non-wrestling fan, you'll really get into it because it's not deeply into the into the weeds of being a simulation. So you pick up and play it. You can pick up and play it and you can button mash and you can get through a fight. It's really good. However, when the other thing in the marketplace is a really in-depth, highly detailed wrestling simulation game, that's going to be a strong bar to reach. It is a game that feels, in comparison, very, very bare bones. It does compared to what WWE have built over the years. It really is. But again, if you just wanted something to pick up and play, it's a good time. It's not the greatest wrestling game ever made. And um, that's not me dick riding WWE when I say that. That's me as somebody who enjoyed picking it up and playing it. Yeah. But it's let's not lose sight of the fact that it's a game that that could have more could have had more on day one. Yeah, I mean, because we reviewed it in a slightly different way. We've come to the same score, but a slightly mm. different way to video game journalists because effectively we look at it as pro wrestling fans where the game has 52 people but there's some major emissions from the roster currently yes i mean you haven't got keith lee you haven't got all of house of black i mean but even just out of date is where the tunnels are there and chris jericho and sammy guevara are the inner circle a faction that hasn't existed in 18 months yeah there's there's a lot of i think keith lee's in a dlc pack which is available now but that was a weird thing as well they claimed though. on in there no they claimed they're coming soon so mm. that's the thing it's going to be updated but i was saying could they not have reset in early access and then everyone would sort of be a lot more forgiving about it or even just don't charge the 50 pounds it. it was a very quick game i think everyone would be a lot kinder about it yeah the price tag i think has been something that has caught a lot of people guard and the, yeah it is that it is in terms of the the current roster situation at a day. And I have great sympathy for any wrestling game company, whether it's THQ, whether it's 2K, because Jesus Christ, is, we've, there's so we've, much changes, yeah. You know what? The, the, you know, Especially when the 2K games were at their height and every summer we just have like a mass clear out of wrestlers. I remember loading up 2K22 and I was yeah. like, they're gone, they're gone, they're gone, they're gone, they're, they're fired, they're injured, they're fired, they're fired, they're fired. Like, 
bless 2K, I think it was 2K22, where they released everything, and then the week after, they announced, they revealed a new NXT. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, they did. Yeah. For God's sake. But they had to port in 2.0 later in the year. <laughs> they just had to put it all, stick it all in that way. But because they've been doing it for a long time, and because they've got an established team doing it, I think they're able to be more reactive than proactive. Yeah. I mean, we or proactive have, than reactive. Because, um, I mean, Andrew, Andrew Hodkinson spoke to... 2k about this year's game 2k23 where it was like how do you deal with last year in this year they had the opposite problem where loads of people were getting re-signed mm. so like Bray Wyatt's come back in Tegan Knox and Johnny Gargano and all that and they went how do you battle that I was like well first of all it's a positive thing but we ha we've got some of the old character models and while they finalised the roster very early on I think that the finalised the roster like May time and the game mm. doesn't come out until the following April March but because they've got the balls, they can get it all ready and be, be proactive and get yeah. them in the game at some point. And that's the difference with AEW. This is a brand new prospect from the ground up. So it is going to take longer in some of these elements, but I don't know whether more expectations could have been managed in that sense. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. I think part of it is it has been hyped up a lot within the wrestling world. Where I think part of that is I sort of compared it when AEW first debuted, you back in 2019, where WWE had been stagnant for years almost outside of like the odd good year basically we're all thinking wrestling needs competition again mm -hmm. and where basically someone's needed to give WWE a bit of a shake and we were all like AW hey, coming this is an alternative and it's the stuff that as a section of people that watch NXT and stuff like that and Ring of Honor sort of wanted but on a much grander scale yeah. and I sort of thought okay there's, there's been no real competitor for the 2K series like they don't need a shake outside of 2020 it's been pretty good since they've come back mm. but it was sort of the idea going people that want that alternative here we go and yeah. then it was just sort of We've got the alternative, but there's work to be done over the next couple of years. And we will, do you know what? We'll we'll judge it like a no man's sky, maybe. Yeah, I mean, because my idea is what we'll review it again one year later on the website. We'll say, hey, let's see what they've done. And there's been no improvements. We were like, what a botch. Yes. But if they've made loads of changes. When they've added 18 quintillion wrestlers. Yeah. <laughs> then <laughs> we will know that it was all worth the journey. And then we'll go Fairfox. But yes. until then. The fight forever was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> If you like it, like it, enjoy it. Have a lovely weekend playing it. But speaking of fighting forever... Oh, oh he's good at this! Hell. He's good at yeah. this! Vince McMahon is making changes to WWE TV. <laughs> that is a true fight <laughs> yeah. forever. Yeah. He's going to be doing it for 99 million years. <laughs> 18 quintillion years. Outside of six months when he, was, when he wasn't there, he's back doing <laughs> it again. <laughs> um, from analysing this, what it seems like is there's sort of a little bit of a power struggle going on over WWE Creative. Mm -hmm. This hasn't been an explicit report, but just sort of connecting the dots. So what we've had is, of course, back in April, Vince McMahon became head of creative again after the announcement of the sale to Endeavour with WWE. What we sort of heard at the time was that Vince, he was changing things here and there a little bit. Like, he is the head of creative, but Tri Triple H basically comes and writes the shows and Vince changes what he wants to. Which, a lot of the time at the beginning, was sort of just match orders, the, the odd segment here and there. And we thought, okay, he's, 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 he's just sort of playing, playing about with it a little bit. But that's just sort of ramped up in the past few weeks. Where, I mean, on the 19th of Raw... The 19th of Raw... On the, on the 19th of, of Raw, Raw 19 June to June... <laughs> So on the 19th of June episode of Raw, the show was meant to open up with the open challenge for the World Heavyweight Championship, where it was going to be Seth Rollins versus the returning Tommaso Ciampa. Um, Vince McMahon went, I don't want to put that on the show. And what we had instead was Finn Balor. I mean, the segment was great. Finn Balor comes out, attacks Seth Rollins before the open challenge, and then just batters him for the next half an hour um, on Raw. 
and said Champa returns later in the evening and defeats Miz. You're like, yeah, fair fucks. I mean, it, I mean that one. <laughs> that, fine. That, that was a story before he had yeah. the hip injury. Um, SmackDown though, the <laughs> um, on the June 23rd episode, it was three matches were completely changed. Where there was actually a match where it was going to be Bailey versus Shotty for Bailey spotting the Money in the Bank ladder match, and that match was scrapped altogether. Shotted Flair match was added. You were going to have, I think it was, it was going to be Santos Escobar versus LA Knight versus Butch. And I said we got LA Knight versus Rey Mysterio, and the changes were to such an extent that somebody basically went, "Did SmackDown just get vinced?" <laughs> <laughs> and what we've since found out is that WWE are actually trying to find a way to stop Vince from making these last-minute changes. But effectively, Vince is the executive chairman of the company, the head of creative, and everyone's been told not to say anything to him. A, a bit like I compared it to Logan Roy of Succession, where he comes in, mm. he, he changes everything, and everyone, and everyone just shit scared of him. Because, like, He's a Logan Roy yeah, like, of WWE. Nice. No one's going to dare question the 77-year-old man who effectively looks invincible because he had a sexual misconduct and hush money scandal and came back in anyway. Yeah. So it's like, you don't, you're not going to risk anything. You're just going to let him get on with it in the whole that eventually he leaves. But, <laughs> he won't. It, he won't, yeah. It, what we've also heard as well is that to try and sort of, a bit like what they did, the, the, the government did when Trump was in charge, is they're trying to Vince-proof SmackDown <laughs> by announcing weeks in advance. And I mean, by announcing matches weeks in advance. What we've heard is that, although it might not look like it, Vince probably doesn't like scrapping advertised matches. Yeah, that's his big, that's his big thing, isn't it? He doesn't Apparently, like, if, you, yeah. if you make a match, you've got to commit to a match. And... They've been going, okay, we'll announce all this months in advance and he won't change it. And if, he's been doing it anyway now. <laughs> he's changing it but, anyway. But that is sort of like the nice, like the tickly little power struggle that you've got going on where you've got a, a Triple H, who's chief content officer on one side and well, and, and everybody else, and then just Vince McMahon changing things and causing frustration backstage. The one that's, uh, that's come up this week in particular is around money in the bank, uh, which will bleed nicely into our next bit. But... Um, the the finish of the money in the men's money in the bank match the winner of that match is highly disputed yeah. in creative according to I think worked wrestling yes so what 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 we've what we've heard and from, BWE better wrestling experience yes what we've heard for months is it's going to be LA Knight or Damian Priest before LA Knight's a favourite but Damian Priest might get it because I mean they both do well with the briefcase mm. and suddenly this week we've heard. Logan Paul, there's been internal pitches for Logan Paul to win the match on the idea that it will bring more eyes to WWE and it gives them a shitload of publicity if he wins. And Better Wrestling Experience have reported that Triple H is opposed to that and doesn't want it to happen. So that'll be the back and forth that we'll have going up until Saturday. Yeah, I mean, what we've heard as well is that the decision won't be made until the day of, but the, the issue you've got is that decision will be made by Vince McMahon because he's the head of creative. Like, essentially, Triple H can draw all these lovely plans and everything else, but if Vince goes, fuck it, Logan Paul's winning, Logan Paul's winning. That's it, then. There's no other way about it. And I can see the positives. I said this with uh, Andrew on the news yesterday. I can see the positives with Logan Paul winning the suitcase and, and, and using that star power that he's got to take it here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, because it's weird with Logan Paul in the sense that he's, he's done it backwards. He's a celebrity who's become a very good wrestler. Yes. <laughs> As opposed to a very good wrestler who's become a celebrity afterwards. Um, and he is very good. And I think yeah. that's that's why this one does hit differently to other celebs that come in and do stuff. He's very, very good at the wrestling. And he does try. Like, well, yeah. He, he can't fault his effort or anything like that. Really, he tries and he does really bloody well. Like if, if Logan Paul wins, it won't be, oh, fuck, a celebrity's one. It'll be, 
he's a very good wrestler. There'll always be some that will complain and go, well, I, I see the discourse even now, people going, oh, he's not a wrestler, he doesn't deserve to be there. I was like, well, I'm amazed that you can watch the matches that he's had. And not think he's a wrestler. And not think that he's a wrestler or think yeah. that he's a, he's a great wrestler. And I think that it's it's really narrow-minded of, of some people online just, just to go... You can dislike him for the things that he does, you know, in his private life. Absolutely. Yeah. Fucking completely. But it's, you, I think you can't go, oh, he's a bad wrestler. If you've watched his matches, you can't. You absolutely can't. There's people that have been doing wrestling all their lives who Logan Paul is better than. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's true. He's also officially signed with WWE as a wrestler. It's not like he's just coming in for like pair appearance things. He's under contract. I think you just have to accept that... The, obviously he's he's assigned and he's with them and he's there for the long haul but sometimes that outside influence is going to be a stronger draw than people that have been doing it all their lives and I speak as a radio presenter yeah. who knows that you know celebrities with not much to do will, will probably will get radio shows before I will and that's that's the nature of the business it's the nature of the beast you just do it's going to put more eyes on a show if Amanda Holden's presenting it than yeah. me and I get that and, it, and you're an idiot to assume that oh no they definitely want to hear fucking dickhead who can talk up to a vocal they don't care you want to draw in new audiences and, and WWE are ones for always drawing in new audiences well, like they come they, on their on their tour of the UK they've been doing the press this week and they're not going to they're not coming here. They're not going to what culture. They're not going to wrestle talk because we are already sold audiences. They're going to talk sport. They're going to the BBC local station. At the Daily Mail, Daily they're going, Star. Yeah, they're going to the Daily Mail. They're going to the Mirror. They're going to the. They're going to find people who aren't wrestling fans to convert them into wrestling fans. We're already converted. We're going to be watching Money in the Bank regardless of whether Seth Rollins gives us any airtime. Yeah, we are. So they're going to go to places where they can get new people. That's just business. That's just business. That's me rant. Yes. Well, one thing we have heard, though, is so we've speculated about this, but Better Wrestling Experiences report there's going to be an upset at Money in the Bank. Yo. Now, that upset, it would not shock me. We were discussing it this morning, but it would not shock us if it's Logan Paul wins the briefcase and after Seth Rollins' title match, Logan Paul runs down, cashes in and beats him. And I mean, think of the headline. Like This will get mainstream attention if Logan Paul ends Money in the Bank as World Heavyweight Champion. Logan Paul is WWE Champion. Yeah, that's a headline. But then the belt will disappear. I know that. that, that <laughs> so the Triple H has to go. Fine, here's another yeah. one. Cause that's the whole issue, isn't it? Where he's created the world heavyweight title. He's like, well, the ring's never fucking wrestled. He's never here. Yeah, fuck him, Seth. You're here every week. Here's the belt. And I wonder whether that's yeah. You know, this is just me spitballing. I wonder whether that's part of Triple H's issue with <laughs> set with with Logan Paul winning it. Unless it's going to be full time. Why would you put the belt on him? Yeah, because we've already lost one world title to somebody who isn't full-time. Yeah. And this is the reason for this belt is it's a full-timer's belt. Yeah, I think this might be the, the almost enlarged workhorse title. This is the guy who's going to be here every single week. Yeah, unless he takes another belt. Yeah. Uh, the US title. Oh, God. <laughs> we were saying, could he beat Roman? I don't think Roman's going to lose by cash, and I'd be very surprised if they don't save Roman's big loss for, act for an actual just singles match. Yeah, more than likely. Um, uh, on the women's side, EO Sky is the leading candidate. Yeah, I'm good with that. And she's the only one. And she's the only one that stands a, a snowball's chance of winning the whole thing. And the only one that really makes sense. Because you've got... Becky Lynch has been heavy in storyline, but does she really need it? No. Because the Becky Trish storyline is just sort of passing through money in the bank. Yeah. 
It's not necessarily going to be the feature point. It's just passing through. It's via a ladder match. It's good for Trish Stratus to be in the in the mix of that ladder match. Somebody who, you know, is genuinely a you know a, a legend, who, uh, a heritage women's wrestler, a Hall of Famer for that matter as well, but never competed in a women's money in the bank ladder match yeah. because when she was when she was forging a path, this sort of opportunity wasn't there. Yeah. So go for it. Fair it's good. Uh, yeah. Fair, fair, do you know what? Yeah. Fair Trish fair. has had a phenomenal, like renaissance yeah i mean I, I didn't think she'd ever come back after she sort of lost to charlotte flair in SummerSlam 2019 but she doesn't even look out of place it's not like a legend coming back it's just sort of she's just one of the girls yeah she had that match with raquel rodriguez and it was just like look great yeah it's really solid really solid uh so all eyes are on money in the bank coming up on saturday so amongst the men's and the women's ladder match i want to give a quick mention to the fact that we've got uh, the Usos versus Solo Sokoa and Roman Reigns probably going on last. In the Bloodline Civil the War. Bloodline Civil War. They have been rehearsing the finish to this match behind the scenes this week. Yeah. So have you heard that? Yeah. So what? Uh, this is from WrestleVotes, but they've been rehearsing the finish at a, at a shed or somewhere. <laughs> shed. <laughs> In a shed. <laughs> like <the laughs> on an allotment yeah, somewhere. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> what, what it is, 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 is you is four. It? here yet i'm gonna get me troll he's got a crt tv <laughs> and just then before sat around put the vhs and go right this is what i've come up with at home you've got, got four cups of tea yorkshire tea it's milk that's about six months off they've all got their tops off <laughs> lovely old farmer's wife <laughs> yeah, yeah. some apple crumble for you if you <laughs> like lads yeah. yeah his wife just rocks yeah. up hello oh, thank you mrs farmer <laughs> we'll have some apple crumble <laughs> so who's winning your match then <laughs> they all go with a bag of rhubarb <laughs> did you find <laughs> i love that <laughs> find out who's winning your match then it was it's a lad called randy here it wants to apparently he's going through it with you <laughs> Work Wrestling said that was happening. Did you read that on Work Wrestling? It's just Randy Savage. I don't know why he's here. <laughs> Randy Savage. Yeah, Randy Savage. That's why he's behind closed doors, Stephen. First line to heaven. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, it obviously suggests that they're planning something quite special and also that they want it to get out. Well, is what we heard. It was that there's two drastic finishes planned and a creative a split on which one to go with. So, I mean, they might have come up with that just to throw us all off and that we've got no idea how it's going to end. Could be. Or it could be part of that power struggle, as you mentioned, where you've got Triple H going, blah, 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 and you've got Vince going, fuck off, this is what's happening. <laughs> so the drastic finishes, potentially. So, I mean... We were trying to spitball, weren't we? Jey Uso pinning Roman Reigns. Yeah, Roman Reigns hasn't been pinned since, like, Corbin beat him in, like, December 2019. <laughs> it's time, so, time to eradicate that record. Yeah, it's like bongers. And... Oh, I think the other one could be like a big return, maybe solo turns. Yeah, solo joining up with his brothers and yeah. completely destroying the bloodline. Mm. Uh, piano could fall on Roman Reigns. Yeah. Anyone thought of that? Uh, it could, could slip on a banana peel. Slip on a banana peel, <laughs> literally, not metaphorically. Might not be a turn, it might be a return. Obviously, Randy Orton's been the name's been thrown around. Oh, yeah. Heading into Money in the Bank. I mean, we've heard this for months, haven't we, where it was. He's been out since May of last year because his back's fucked. Mm. And then he had back fusion surgery at the end, towards the end of 2022. Since he was rumoured to come back at Mania, and then it was put out through Dave Mouse that Randy Orton is nowhere close to returning at that time. His dad, Cowboy Bob Orton, has since said that Randy Orton has been told by doctors that not to wrestle again, but he's all had working boots anyway, and he's going to put those working boots back on. So well, we've had, I think it's worked wrestling, that they've said that Orton is nearing a return, and it could be as soon as Money in the Bank. And Kurt Angle 
has said on his podcast because Kurt Angle's wife and Randy Orton's wife they've got a pod, they've got a podcast they've together, got a podcast they? they're just good mates they hang out together a lot and and he's heard through through Giovanni that um Randall Keith Randall Keith is is looking good and ready to go yeah so we'll see. We'll see if that is the surprise for Money in the Bank on Saturday. Nine pitches for Money in the Bank on the Cold Talk YouTube channel right now, as well as predictions for Money in the Bank. It'll be Andrew and Adam Petiti. Uh, I made it sound like they're married, didn't I? Uh, Andrew Hodkinson and Adam Petiti <laughs> doing live reactions from here for Money in the Bank. We have Fraser and Ross and our fantastic editing team uh, down in London, where they'll be speaking to the stars of Raw and SmackDown ahead of Money in the Bank. So check out the Cultaholic YouTube channel, possibly today, uh, for some, some video footage of some of the stars of the company. Uh, and then... Um, what happened at WTF Moments and all that good stuff as well over the weekend. Yeah, on the, web, the bank. on the website side, it's just me. Just you. So if you... If you Hardworkingmatter.com. Yes, so if, if you go to the show while it's on, you'll have results at the end of the show and you'll have all the, all the happenings while they happen. So every time you see a tweet about something that happened at the show, can you please reply with, thanks, Aiden? Yes. Every time. Just put, thanks, Aiden. Yeah. And please spell my name correctly. How, how are we spelling spell it, it correctly? So it's A for Alpha, I for India. Is it I for India? Yes. D for Delta, A for Alpha again, N for November. There you go. You can't get not, that None wrong. of this E shite. No E's. Alpha, All India, A's. Delta, Shield. Alpha, November, Shield. Burn Burn it. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Got a bit more about money in the bank. Oh, apologies. I know. I just didn't write it down. That's my oh, fault. Oh, wowzers. But, so, Drew McIntyre has been gone since WrestleMania. Oh, we have mentioned Drew, have So, there, there was rumours that he was going to come back at in time for money in the bank. We thought, oh, we might be on this live event tour WWE's currently doing. They're in Newcastle tonight. Mm, I know. They are. Big. The, the, the code says going to be there and other people. Seth Rollins. But Seth Rollins. I, mean, I think it's going to be in the main event against Damian Priest. Defending the world title against yeah. Damian Priest. Yeah. I believe. Mm. First time I've seen a world heavyweight title match. Whatever. Ever. Mm. Like, this, this is a tangent. The last time the world title was defended in Newcastle upon Tyne, 
It was Triple H defending against Kevin Nash. Insurrection 2003. Insurrection 2003. One week before their Bad Blood Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. Like, right. From the same arena as well. I know. God almighty, it's looking Back when down. it was the, what would it have been then? It was the Telewest. The Telewest arena. Now it's the Utilizer yeah. arena. So we've gone from telecoms to energy. I might watch Insurrection just for a laugh. Yeah. It's a shit show. It really is. I mean, but how nice that Newcastle is a pay-per-view. I know, I mean, but there was a really good segment where you've got, I think it's, um, they're both improv, but it's Stone Cold and Chris Jericho on the highlight reel. Yeah. And Chris Jericho talks to Chris Jericho. Stone Cold talks about drinking 20 pints and Chris Jericho just shoots on David Beckham and Bobby Robson. <laughs> <laughs> you like, fair fucks for noting Bobby Robson. Yeah, in the North East. That's yeah. a good shout, that. Love little local, local referents. Mm. But now SummerSlam, yes. Yeah. So, as mentioned with the integration of NXT, we might have NXT titles defended at the show. Mm. Uh, Great American Blash, Blash, Great American Bash had planned for the <laughs> week before, but we probably might get more NXT title matches at SummerSlam. They're enjoying at the moment moving NXT guys and WWE guys and putting them together and mixing them up. Yeah. And so, yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset if Carmelo Hayes gets a showcase. On yeah, he was literally SummerSlam. just on Raw as well, wasn't he? He was indeed. Melo, don't miss it. I think he's great as a champion. I think he's really coming into his own and I think that he's genuinely a guy that will fit well in the mix when the time is right but the only thing I fear is if Vince stays in charge he hates small people he isn't the tallest is Mello yeah and I think that might be a slight issue if he thinks Adam Cole was only good enough to not be called Adam Cole have a shaved head and be Keith Lee's manager <laughs> what, what what is Carmelo Hayes going to be doing managing Bobby Lashley? Oh no! Yeah. Don't but, give any ideas. So hopefully Triple H has sort of rested a little bit more power by then. Because it, it was a weird thing on Raw in the sense that he lost to Finn. It was like you could have put him against somebody else. Clean as well. And yeah. I'm not saying that he like Finn shouldn't beat people clean. I think that it just didn't have to happen. He's did the it? NXT champion. Like, does he have to lose clean? Can yeah. it not just can can Dom not just well, like, wave? wave at him yeah. or just that's all it needs to be just a slight distraction yeah. that gets the win I think a clean a clean Rhea, Rhea Ripley nuts him in the head or something you yeah. go oh there you go that's it He's that's got, she's got a strong head that's it and you and then and it's slightly less of a slightly less harm done to Carmilla Hayes yeah. but then he did beat Corbin yeah the day after and probably so. in a banger match I mean on cage match last time I checked it was rated higher than the absolute banger between Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay isn't that ridiculous bro. isn't that ridiculous it, it was lower ratings but it was like Christ <laughs> cage match is a little bit broken isn't it <laughs> Flipping well, is broken. Yeah. Well, they've brought in a whole new thing, haven't they? Where it's, um, you can only rate matches, I think it's two days later, on the idea that it gets all the trolls out of the way. Mm. But the trolls now just wait two days and then... They just do it then, That's not working. Um, but yeah, SummerSlam. One of the headline matches is going to be Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar 3, we've heard. <laughs> um, it's going to be a rare stipulation match too. Um, one of the parties, <coughs> Brock Lesnar, reportedly turned down the a dog collar match but he's perfectly fine having a Texas bull rope match. That's the best way to pay this off. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because the whole thing started with Cody calling Brock a fake cowboy. Yeah, and now, and now he's going to be a literal cowboy. Yeah, with... and they have a bull rope match. But no, no and Brock, this isn't this isn't with a bull rope. He just brings a, a rope of, filled with bulls <laughs> down to the ring. <laughs> a rope bull match, yeah. you say? <laughs> There's your nine pitches for SummerSlam. So oh. <laughs> just, just a row of bulls. <laughs> That they've got to pull about. Lead them down to the ring like some, some weird kennel from <laughs> hell re reprisal. A ring surrounded by bulls. And one thing happening in between SummerSlam and Monday the Bank is a certain lover of apples is reportedly coming back. Oh, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs loves <laughs> apples. 
It's Tom Hanks from Forrest Gump. <laughs> oh, that's Carlito. After we, I mean, he came back at Backlash. It was, it was amazing. You pitched it. It mm. happened. Savio Vega was there too. Literally massive reception for Carlito. Like maybe the biggest pop of his life. Mm. Um, he comes down, helps out the LWO, that sort of shiznit. And now we've, what we've heard since then is that Carlito has been dropping out of independent wrestling shows and he's basically been saying, I've signed with WWE. And according to Peter Insider, Carlito will be coming back on. It's a July 7th episode of SmackDown. And that shows me from Madison Square Garden, unless Vince McMahon changes at the last minute. Okay, well, I think it's, well, I, I'd love to see him back. I think he'd be a great benefit to the roster yeah. in general. I mean, Carlito was fun. He's a good wrestler. Keep him in the mid card. Good hand in the mid card. Good hand. I mean, I mean, somebody pitched him against Austin Fury, and personally, I don't want to see that because I don't like Austin Fury. But, but Carlito against I don't know Apollo Crews, shit like that. Fun. Um, should we touch a bit on Forbidden Door before we get into the weird shit? Because that was the other major event this month that uh, yes. that happened just on Sunday, just gone. So it nearly flew us flew under the radar of June. Yeah, I mean, you watched it live. Watched, we think? watched it live. I thought it was. I th- I thought once we got to sort of the middle of the show, it really started to to, to kick into gear. Yeah. Um, CM Punk, Shinga, uh, and um, Satoshi Kojima. Satoshi Kojima, Shinga Takaki. Who was talking about? Uh, Punk and Kojima. What an interesting crowd response to Punk. We mentioned it earlier. Like very much. It's mixed completely, mixed, isn't it? But I think there's more of a Orbins. heel slant. Uh, from this particular crowd, and I feel like it he's will Brett just... 1997, isn't he? He is, yeah. And I think all that crowd will do is water the plants for the rest of the Canadian tour. And if CM Punk is going on in the Owen Hart tournament, as he'll become the most hated man to win the tournament. I think he'll. Cause I saw somebody pitch it was the idea of sort of like when you, we we all fight with brackets and all that. It's like everyone's gone. Punk's in the final, but. Everyone's going, will he wrestle Ricky Starks or will he wrestle Powerhouse Hobbs? I think Starks seems to be the guy. Because Starks, if you're going to turn him heel, I think definitely put Starks in the final. And then you can turn, Punk can turn heel on a babyface Ricky Starks. If it's Hobbs, I think Punk will continue to be the sort of tweener babyface sort no, of thing. I think he keep, keep them as they are. I think I don't think Punk's a, Punk's a tweener in leaning, leaning towards a heel in this tournament. Do you think you just Starks get a baby. If you put Starks and Punk in there, I think they'll cheer Starks. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I think they'll cheer Starks. I, I mean, don't think you need to turn anybody. I think you just need to let Jazz happen. Yeah, but like, but I think if you put him in with Hobbs, because Hobbs is a babe, is a heel, yeah. you'd have the issue... Oh, they'll cheer Hobbs. Yeah, <laughs> they'll, I think whoever punks up against in the final is going to get cheered. And like the, yeah, the, whoever's going to get whoever it is is going to get cheered. Uh, Kenny Omega, what's, Will Ospreay. What's Bruce Hart up to? <sighs> Don't worry, lads, I've got this. <laughs> get Bruce Hart. I'd love for Bruce Hart to referee the final. A lot of people say that, um, and OSW Review said it as well, so it must be true. Owen Hart in the Fight Forever game looks like Bruce Hart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Osprey Omega. Oh my God. Fantastic. 45 minutes. Yeah, kick out at one. That one kick out from the one-winged angel was was just beautiful. Incredible. A lot of discourse around the Tigers driver 91. 91, yeah. It looked disgusting. Uh, Let's not do that, lads. You could have that match would have still been sublime without the Tiger Driver ninety one. I, I was reading John Pollock of Post Wrestling earlier today, and one of the things he said the issue they've got is, is there is going to be a third match. It was teased on Dynamite. Uh, we don't know if it'll be All In or Wrestle Kingdom eighteen. Mm. Um, but one of the things that we said is because we've had the Tiger Driver ninety one, and because wrestling matches feature callbacks to their previous matches in a third encounter, it's going to happen again. But yeah. this time it might be Osprey getting dropped on his heed. They have to, yeah, the revenge, but they'll have to. Like, oh. 
What will happen? I just went, fuck me. Yeah, I don't want them to do it. Oh, they'll do it off the top rope this time, Jesus. Stop it. <laughs> God. You monsters. It, it, like, I don't, you might have seen it where it's Masawa and Kabashi from a Noah show like 2003. But uh, Masawa absolutely yeets Kabashi <laughs> to the floor. They're just going to do something like that on the Tiger Drive out of the floor. Oh, God. It's going to be grim. This could be no next. But either, but either way, that match was excellent. Yeah. Match of the night, hands down, fantastic. And do you know what? Brian Danielson and Kazuchika Okada, you know, I think many will say that was the match tonight. It's a very different style of match, yeah. different energy. Really loved it. Those guys, beautiful together. And all the more love for that match when you consider that 10 minutes before the, the finish, Brian Danielson basically shattered his forearm. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the elbow drop from Okada that landed on his forearm. Yeah, probably Danielson's got his arm in the wrong place. It just mm. it just crushes it basically, Okada. And not, uh, not what Okada could have done. No, basically. it was you know these things happen in the wrestling in the wrestling business. Shit happens. Uh, but Okada getting tapped out for the first time I think since two thousand seventeen, two thousand sixteen. If not earlier, I think it was. I think it was when Nakamura was under contract. It because like, it was Nakamura that tapped him out last yeah, time. Yeah, so it, it's I can't tell you when it was, but. It, it's, this is a, this is Okada. Yeah. So Brian Danielson tapping him out. Uh, Brian Danielson did the press conference afterwards with a <laughs> completely shattered forearm. Walked out to the press conference and went, "It was a fight." <laughs> I was like, "He's different, isn't he? He's different." I, I did feel bad from this answer. He, he set up once again in these press conference where he was hoping somebody was going to ask him about Nigel. And because mm. uh, what we heard about Danielson's fractured arm at, at the time of the press conference, it was we think six to eight weeks, so that would have had him in time for All In, mm. but. I mean, Brie Garcia, his wife, has since said this is worse than before. So, yeah. oh, sadly, it looks like he might miss all in. But he, he set it up in the press conference for somebody to go, ask me about Nigel. Ask me about Nigel McGuinness. Fucking, I'm down you. Ask me about Nigel. <laughs> I'll call him a little shit again. Come on, ask me. And, <laughs> and, and, and no one bought it, unfortunately. But he's... I think that would have been the plan for all, and it would have been Nigel McGuinness coming out of retirement, having one big, grandiose farewell with Brian Danielson. But... We might not get it now. We might not, I think. Um, I, but either way, I'd still, I think Danielson would still be on the show in some capacity. He walked out of his sling, and he could be like, fuck you, London, and Nigel McGillis can come out and be like, spike hair again, all that sort of <laughs> shit. Um, um, frosted tips and come out and clothesline him. Oh, I just, yeah, I think you don't need to have a full match with McGuinness. You just need to have a moment with McGuinness. Yeah. So I think you need. Uh, so Brian Danielson off to, to recover uh, his broken forearm. Tony Khan recovering his broken wallet. We did uh, have final hog, yes. Because, yeah, because uh, he was revealed that to use Europe, the final countdown for CM Punk's entrance costs as much as an AEW contract. Yeah, so, so I mean, Danielson used it in Ring of Honor, didn't he? For like yeah, years so that's and years where and the history is for it. And I thought it was a lovely touch, an expensive touch. Very expensive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, this week I've heard twice somebody say, really haven't got the money for this, but we're just going to spend it and do it anyway. Yeah. And it was once with Tony Khan in Europe and it was yesterday with Alex buying Foo Fighters tickets. Ooh, where, you, <laughs> where, where are they playing? We're going, we're going to the Manchester one next year. Ooh. And she went, we can't afford this, but I put it on a credit card. I was and like, all right. <laughs> I was looking at tickets because Motley Crue and Def Leppard are touring together and they're playing, oh. a, they're playing a festival this weekend. And I was like, ooh, do I go? And I thought, nah. Where's the festival? Latham. Oh, I don't know where that is. It's like near Blackpool. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I was just like, no. I they were up here a few years ago, Def Leppard. Yeah. Saw them live. Yeah. But, but I was like, Motley Crue, they're fucking cool. They're cool as. They'll be shit now. But <laughs> it's just to be in the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Just to be in amongst so, it. It's like when we went to see Kiss a few weeks ago. Oh, my. Newcastle! That happened in June. We went to see I Kiss. Know, we? I, literally, everyone in the office went to see Kiss. Are you tired yet? <laughs> yes, yes, I we am. We are! <laughs> 
<laughs> Bless them. Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley have had six breaks. <laughs> I do believe halfway through one song, Gene Simmons went for a wee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he just fucked I off. Really, didn't I he? think he fucked off for a wee. Ocean War Machine. He sings it. He just fucked fucking. Ocean War Machine. He went for a piss. Good I mean, lad. It was a really like. I was thinking basically, good. they're obviously not the same kiss as what they were, but fuck me, they could still put on a show. Oh, it's a, it was a great like, show. Like we just went for the spectacle, didn't we? Yeah. yeah, we sang along, we laughed, we enjoyed it. Yeah. It was a brilliant... We cried. Fireworks, pyro, yeah. my God. Rock and roll at the end. He said, fuck it, get the confetti out, shall I? Come on. Rock and roll all but night. I've got a video where they start off with Detroit Rock City, and it, it was me, Carl, and two of our friends went. I was sat next to my friend, Sarah. Sarah's got Peggy the dog. Oh, your friend Sarah Legenda with Peggy the dog. Yes, so we went with them, and... Aww. I don't think we mentioned Peggy the dog, but there we are. Oh. Um, where it was the start off with Detroit Rock City, the start going down a platform, and all the fucking like, fireworks go off, and she just goes, "Oh!" You just like, <laughs> yes. You know, it's like a fucking kiss, baby. This is what we're here for. This is what we need. Yeah. So, um, Europe final countdown. Speaking of, of of rock songs that are timeless, yeah. Uh, it costs Tony Khan a lot of money. Yeah, we're thinking at least a hundred grand. He says that Daniel uh, Brian Daniels will go back to his old music. They might pull it out again, but the contract they've signed is, is in perpetuity, so it means that they can use it for replays and stuff like that, so they've got to yeah. dub it over. I mean, one of the things he was saying is, like, if you can get a good deal on it, you will just buy it, but it's weird with you, because for years and years and years, we heard that they just will charge extortionate money to have Final Countdown. And it came out last week that the, the lead singer of Europe has sold five albums, like the rights to five albums, including the one with Final Countdown on, to a new company. But it's still going to be dead expensive from the looks of it. Well, that's probably why we don't hear much new Europe music. They're like, we've made all the money we yeah. need to. It's a completely different attitude to Kansas, obviously, with um, Carry On Wayward Son. We hear that every week. Yeah, they're like, yeah, just do whatever with it. Yeah. Different, different strokes for different folks, innit? Yeah. Um, but Forbidden Door was, I think it was an improvement on Forbidden Door 1. I, like, I really liked Forbidden Door. That was, that was my show of the year, Forbidden Door 1. Mm. But Forbidden Door 2 was just another banger. But yeah. a, a banger on a... Better level. I think a lot of st- a lot of stuff happening in AEW um, for for this show was more of a, a service station than a destination. Yes. So there was nothing really resolved with the Elite and the Blackpool Combat Club that will come in time. We've got Blood and Guts in three weeks. Blood and Guts in three weeks, as has been announced. So the big double decker, double ring cage nonsense. Uh, MJF was in the opening match uh, defending the AEW title. Tanahashi looks knackered. Tanahashi, yeah, that opening match didn't really hit the way I think they wanted it to because I think Tanahashi is quite bad. It was even like he still got the charisma and everything else, but like his knees. I mean, his knees have been gone for years, but like even like six months ago, it was Tanahashi compared to now, he looks like he just needs a good six month off just to get himself. He's right. a good sleep, doesn't he? Yeah, him and Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> She's a lovely lie down. But it, it, like it, he's got, but he's got the G one coming up. I'm like, oh no! <laughs> like it's, it's like that starts. We'll, we'll discuss it in August by the time the, the winner comes up, but. Tana, he's got a month of wrestling like nearly every day. You're like, how the fuck is he going to survive? God love him. God love him. Now, when it comes to cultaholic.com, um, there's always some weird articles that seem to light up the wrestling world a little bit and do a, a, an amazing amount of hits for our channel. And we're like, why are people reading that? So that's what this section's all about. It's the weird shit that you just can't stop clicking on. Yeah. So... <laughs> It's a, it's a different mix this month. Usually it's all just like cute, bad, bad curiosity from the, from our readers. Thank you for reading. But one of them did go... I want, 
Is it viral if it goes big on Twitter? Yeah, fuck it. We'll mm, see it viral. Venereal. Venereal. Fungal. <laughs> oh, God. Because it's, it's disease. That's it's, what it is. It's disease. Um, but one article that did go mad on Twitter was Aubrey Edwards made her AW in-ring debut this month. She did. So we covered it initially as basically her. It was announced that she was going to team with Mark Briscoe and Pat Briscoe against Jeff Jarrett, Karen Jarrett, and Jay Lethal. Um that match was on Rampage and everyone went, fuck me. Like, basically people that hate AEW went, fuck me, why is the referee wrestling and fuck Aubrey? And I was like, I feel quite bad for Aubrey here, but we've, all we've done is wrote, report the news. Oh, yeah, the, the thing is, like, normal people do quite like Aubrey Edwards. There is this weird sect of sort of anti-AEW fans online that just decide, ah, oh, we're just going to slag her off all the time and make yeah. a big noise about it. And I just... Uh, Get fucked. You're yeah. all ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on. No, I don't want to move on. I thought it was fine. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I thought it was a fun little match on Rampage. <laughs> the, only thing I, the only thing I didn't like is I would have liked her to wear ring gear. Yeah, I've been, I would like some Aubrey Edwards ring gear for the next one, please. Some poor colorblind person's like, who the fuck's the ref? <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> that would have been fun. Yeah. I mean... I couldn't see an issue with it. It actually got people to tune in the Rampage. Yeah, there was a curiosity about it and yeah. the Rampage rating did well because of it. Yeah. So people people wanted know, to see it. You, you, Tom, you're here because of Aubrey Edwards, but we all know deep down, and we're being genuinely serious here, Jeff Jarrett is a ratings draw in the year of our Lord, 2023. He truly, truly is yeah. a draw. It's unbelievable. I, like, I think God it was, love him. After the Aubrey Edwards match, it was him and Mark Briscoe and Dynamite the concession stand brawl. And that was the biggest quarter hour of the whole night on a show that featured CM Punk. What, what does that tell you? <laughs> Come on now. People love Jeff Jarrett. I, I do see it on Twitter every time. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a TNA where it's Jeff Jarrett walking through basically like a nitro set almost. But it just goes, this is Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. And everyone's like, fuck yeah, Jeff Jarrett's mint. in this business. <laughs> Uh, but speaking of Jeff Jarrett, well, yes. <laughs> because he's so fucking popular, he's even getting GFW clicks. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things he revealed this month was where the Global Force Wrestling title belts are, and people really cared. For where, where, out of interest, where are they in the bin? So Anthem's got most of them. Okay. Because that whole mess. But he's got, I think, like the, the mid-card titles and the women's belts. Jeff Jarrett's got them just kicking about in a warehouse somewhere. So they're still they're still somewhere. Yeah. Now, so for those who haven't paid attention for a long time, so GFW, there was a point where Impact Wrestling was being rebranded as Global Force Wrestling. It was at the end of like the the very short, like if you thought the like it was a few that made the invasion look like Rembrandt. It was GFW versus Impact, and at the end they decided they were going to rebrand Impact into GFW. And uh, it was a deal that Jeff Jarrett was doing. Then Jeff Jarrett went up it off the boil. They ended up cancelling it and rebooting it. And it left. And, and the real victim of all of this is the guy we're going to talk about in a second, uh, which was LA Knight. He was yes. the real victim of all of this because... He was the Impact Global Champion, he was wasn't the, he? He, was the, he won the GFW Global Championship. Hmm. And then it was rebranded the Impact Global Championship. But because Impact had no fucking money left in their war chest... In order to, to make it the Impact World title, they got an Impact Wrestling sticker and put it over the GFW logo for Eli Drake to carry to the ring. Yeah. It is the ugliest world title in wrestling history. <laughs> it truly is the ugliest. And Eli Drake, it's a fact of life, he was the one that had to carry that yeah. thing. And it was bad for them as well because Lashley had just gone. Yeah. And Del Rio had 
like I don't know, kill somebody or something because he was gone. Oh, no, I think I think he no showed, didn't he? No showed the event. He was gone. Um, but it was a weird time to FW because obviously he sets it up after he, he leaves Impact, sets up his new promotion, and then Impact bring him back, and he, you get all that whole fucking mess. But like nine nine months, he's gone again, and then it's just Impact with Anthem, and that's been it ever since. But it's like. And then he, he, I think he brought it back briefly in like 2019 where the, the two had briefly. Then he went, he, he just scrapped it and went back to WWE. So originally he was going to do it to, the, the GFW brand was going to leech he, off of others because they had they hosted like New Japan Wrestle Kingdom with Global yes, Wars Wrestling. He had all these working relationships as well. I think he had a deal with AAA and Noah mm. and all this sort of shit. And then it was, I think he had deal like, he's really on his podcast, I think, where he had effectively a deal with Fox lined up with GFW. And then he thought, because Jeff is Jeff Jeff Jarrett is the eternal optimist. He just thought, screw it, I'm gonna go back to Impact. This is the company I founded. Let's go back and run it again. And just went tits up, bless him. But he's he's landing on his feet now, he's the biggest draw in wrestling. He has done very well indeed. As has Eli Drake. As has Eli Drake. Dummy, yeah. L A Knight. Yeah. So it, I mean he's been around Yeah. <laughs> Sh- shoes of a champion. I hope he does that. Shoes of a champion. <laughs> What was it? What, what, it was a shoe. Jacket, shoes of a chef. Yeah. <laughs> just went, yeah. By the time we hear this, we may have spoken to Elliot Knight. We may have very well done so. I believe his name is on the list. Yeah. Ross has spoken. We'll, we'll be speaking to the Rock. I can't wait for Ross and Elliot Knight to have a big kiss during yeah. the media junkie. Yeah. The only thing missing is Von Wagner oh. and Ross. Hey. Imagine come Tuesday, come oh. Friday. <laughs> we don't come Friday. <laughs> come Tuesday, turned up. <laughs> So LA Knight's been a very, uh, he's, done, he's done a couple of interviews this week that have caught my eye. Uh, one with Alex McCarthy for the Daily Mail and one with Chris Van Vliet. Yes, for Insight. For Insight. Where Chris Van Vliet. This one was with Daily Mail where he, he was asked about Max Dupree and um, that whole thing from 2022. But obviously before he became Max Dupree, LA Knight re-signed early 2021, started as a heel, became a babyface, very popular, got over with the crowd. And then... Had a dark match, and apparently after that dark match on SmackDown, they went backstage. Probably creative went, he's thirty nine. We can't put him on the main roster as a wrestler. And what what Elliot revealed is that he was repackaged as Max Dupree and a manager because WWE were concerned about his age, which. I mean, the head of Money in the Bank now looks insane. Mm. But what he also said as well is that he thinks between that time period, he was actually unofficially fired by WWE. He thinks he was basically on the chopping block that we're going to get rid of him until they went, actually, we could use this old gadge, this old gadge, you know, we could make him a manager, which is insane. And that's what then, that's where Max Dupree came from. Yeah, we almost had L.I. Knight in A.W. <laughs> That would have been fun. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, the age thing is, is one that everybody has been baffled by this week. But I think I, I think, I think I can figure it out. I think that Vince has always been, a, it's always been a case with Vince of, you know, if you're not, if you weren't made here, then you weren't made anywhere. Yeah. So I would argue that if Max, De, if LA Knight had come along in his 20s, they would have forgiven him being in his 40s. But because he's debuting in his late 30s, yeah. they're like, well, there's no time to build a star from the ground up, despite the fact that, spoiler, you don't have to. And he's the ready fact, to go. Despite the fact he was there 10 years ago as well, but Vince McMahon won't remember Sean Ricker. No, he also won't remember. Can you remember the other name? I've got it written down here because I'm, I'm doing something with it. I will give you a million pounds if you can tell me 
Sean Ricker's name in NXT. In NXT? His NXT name. I, I, I don't even think... I think it was like a character. It was like the, the, the mosh pit or something. I don't know. It wasn't the mosh pit. <laughs> <laughs> he was such a, I don't think you could be any further away oh, than okay. where you were there. Was it Shane Ricker? Was it Shane Ricker? Yeah. What was it? Slate Mandel. What? Slate Mandel. That's horrible. That was his NXT name. Slate. And instead of ending his promos with, yeah, there's one video that exists of him with Slate Mandel to which he ends with saying, you just got slated. I was going to say, like, instead of having slaters, just go, put me, on, put me on a house and I can cover your roof or something like that. <laughs> the slate is like, you just got roofed. Yeah. No. You just uh, got, go No, no, not that. You just got roofed. You got roofed. Yeah. I'm going to raise the roof. I'm slate. That's his gimmick. He comes down, he's a roofer. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Get Aiden on the booking team yeah. immediately. Him and Repo Man. <laughs> What's Repo Man doing? Taking it down? Yeah, yeah. Slate's putting it up. Repo's pulling it down. That's what the big feud is. And you've got Big Boss Man comes in and he's, he tries to arrest them both for fighting. <laughs> for he, what? He, doing their jobs? He goes, this is a civil matter. I'm not getting involved. <laughs> <laughs> Boss Man can't intervene because Repo's doing his job and Slate's <laughs> yeah. doing his job. He just goes, civil matter. I sorted out yourself. It's a civil matter. Yeah, Boss Man turning up just to go into civil matter. Yeah. Isaac Yankum rocks up. He's doing the teeth for them on the side. <laughs> Wrestling's great. Wrestling's great. Uh, Okay, so LA Knight's age being merely a number. Thank God that we live in more sensible times and we can look ahead to possibly LA Knight winning the money in the bank. Yeah, because that was a weird thing as well in that Damien Priest is the other favourite. Damien Priest is in his 40s as well. But he's already established in WWE. He's he's been there much longer. His career's been relatively short compared to LA Knight in the sense Mm. he was Punishment Martinez, but I think he only started in like 2015 or something then had a a brief run in Ring of Honor, but then WWE signed up fairly quickly after he started getting pushed as Punishment Martinez. So he's been with the company for about, what, seven, eight years now? Like, gosh, could be at least six, five, Six yeah. doesn't matter now. So, yeah. but, but bringing somebody in cold at the age of thirty-nine—that's probably yeah. where they're a bit. But then you know, everything's open to interpretation. This is the same Vince man who said, "No, sorry, Randy Savage, your best years are behind you. Get behind that commentary table and commentate <laughs> this Nikolai Volkov match." Yeah. <laughs> Wrestling. But what is it as well? The sort of the same Vince man who went Goldberg, fifty-six, world champ. But again, because Goldberg's established. Yeah. No, but, no, it's not. But, but I was, agree. But in the sense that Goldberg was made in WCW, he's arguably the one exception from the way he's pushed WCW guys is Goldberg. Yeah. That took some time, though. <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, it, it literally took him to um, fuck, fuck staying in WWE, have one last big win for the Monday Night Rose, and he goes, Goldberg's great, isn't he? Let's get him back. <laughs> is it because Vince Nell was happy in the thought that, yeah, we've won? Yeah. Right. Okay. All yeah. jokes aside, get on over. Yeah. Go- it's, it's now Goldberg, the WWE guy. Oh, jeez. But who else could potentially become a WWE? Oh, yes. So I, we got a lot of flack for this one because, I mean, in fairness, these reports do come out a lot, but a lot of the time it's because there's truth to them. Yes. So we're just reporting the news. So pl- please don't kill us next time we do this one. We are aggregators. Yeah. Sometimes reporters. 
Sometimes aggregators. Yeah, but majority aggregator. We, we do get our own stuff with your helpful interviews of a million yes. different people. Yes, thank you. We also get our own scoops every now and then. We do. But, but majority of what we do is we aggregate from other places. Uh, that's a common practice in most news outlets. Pretty much around the world and yeah. everything, basically. The Guardian's reporting what the Times writes and all that sort of shit. Mm -hmm. So don't cover us if you don't like something. Go to the source. Yeah. So one of the things we've heard is that WWE are interested in signing Hook. Oh, so why was they upset with this? Because this is there's some so, legitimacy to the concept of WWE wanting a young man like Hook. There was upset in the sense that WWE are also interested, as we mentioned, in the Young Bucks and Kenny and Hangman and Wardlow. So I think just the idea of basically they interested everybody and just like no, they're just after these specific guys. I don't, I don't think WWE are going to go and sign Scorpio Sky. <laughs> no, I don't think. I don't think Anna JS is getting a call anytime soon. Well, you never know. Like you never know. Yeah. Um, but, I don't think they're going to try and resign Chris Jericho. You don't think they will? No, nah, he's committed, don't we, will he? Yeah, so no, that's it. That was a shit example because Chris Jericho was amazing, but yeah. Uh, the the other part of this story that had come out was from reports where Taz had been like going, yeah, yeah go for it. Yeah, probably he Taz is fine and go to WWE, which is, I mean, Taz has been in WWE. What, why would he have an issue? I mean, I know he's been um, he's been derogatory. <laughs> you saw it was booked, right? Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. With the exception of one match against the Undertaker in November of two thousand and one. What a debut, though! It's a hell of a debut. Yeah, angle. Hell of a first chapter. And then, I mean, we're saying this. I generally have a soft spot for SummerSlam two thousand when Jim Ross absolutely batters Taz with oh, his jar of sweets. Jesus Christ! Cuts his face open, and Taz comes out with the walkie stick. He's all he's <laughs> I'm blind. Look at me. I'm Jim Ross. Taz, Taz being comedy prat. Yeah. Which is not what we, like no. the year before he was in ECW going, Bigelow, I'm going to yeah. choke you out. To a year on, hey, Lola, look at me. I'm a blind man. The, ho the, ho the, the, the homeless, the human suplex machine. <laughs> the human banter machine, yeah. am I right? He's amazing on commentary, he Taz. He's certainly grown into his own in AEW. He's found his groove and he's having a lovely time. And he's, uh, yeah, and uh, I certainly prefer him to Jim Ross currently. Yeah. Uh, Hook in WWE, I think would be great. Yeah. I think what a great way to utilize him. I'm shocked that we haven't seen Hook pushed more in the time that we've known him. Yeah. Like, in, in AEW. I feel like he's got lost in the shuffle a little bit. He's never really had, like, he's had singles matches, but like, and the matches are good, but can you name any one of his matches outside of when he wrestles Big Bill. No. Like, it's just sort of, he wrestles. Well, he had fun with Dan House, and that was cool. But he's just sort of been there. Like, he, we're sort of all ready for them, for, for them to push him now, basically. He's it, got this feud with Jack Perry now going on, but it feels like Jack Perry's going to win that. It does feel like Jack Perry's about to win that. It's, it's one of them where I thought with Hook... They were just going to have him mow through people for a year. Yeah, and then and they just then we're going to give him like big high-profile matches. Yeah, it just hasn't hasn't, hasn't happened yet. No, I thought they were going to sort of Goldberg him, and I was all for it. Yeah, and just have him smash his way through the undercard because he's still massively popular. He's mm. completely different to everyone else they've got on the roster in the sense that the whole thing in wrestling is you show your face and all that. Who can rally comes down in a hoodie and batters people? Brilliant! It's cool. It's cool, and I'd like to see that. And if AEW aren't going to you know, really capitalise on that in the next year or two. Maybe Hook should go and have a go try his fortune elsewhere. Go Connecticut. Yeah, the handsome killer, whatever they Cold-hearted, handsome Cold-hearted, handsome devil. Yeah, so we've got a feud currently where we've got the cold-hearted, handsome devil, and we've got Jack Perry, who, as he said on Dynamite, is banging the hottest bitch in this place. I love Jack Perry's heel turn. It's just... It's just amazing, isn't it? Hi, I'm a bad guy now. I'm... Sunglasses. 
I make money. I am Hollywood's Jack Perry. Just, I, I said, I said this upstairs because Jack Perry, when Jack Perry turned heel at Forbidden Door, they should just have him just come out to Tarzan Boy like nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, just like thanks everybody. <laughs> just point the camera. Hey, yeah, okay, just yo, giving okay, it like yo. big charismatic socks and everyone just booing him for it. <laughs> and he goes, "Hey, Christian Cage, and not better this. Just yeah, boo! Yeah, yeah. Like, why are you cheering, it. Christian? I'm gonna win the title. <laughs> boo! Die, Jack. <laughs> but instead, we've got like, hey, look at me in sunglasses. Shut up, you people. Yeah. I've got a hot girl. I've got a hot girl. I'll do a kiss on her and make some money. Yeah. Like, All right. But he did jump into the car in a very funny manner. That, that was amazing, yes, yeah. Like full on, like full on dive straight into the car. And then whoever's, whoever's got his foot on the accelerator zooms away. Uh, this is about the time where we jump into the car and accelerate away from an impending hook. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Uh, Fraser Porter will be back with us next time. Yes. We are together, providing that uh, he doesn't run off to London to cover another wrestling show. I don't think he is. No, it's August. Is, I think August is a Jack Atkins. It's a Jack Atkins production. Isn't Jack it? King. Uh, and I think Luke Osborne I think Luke and Pierce Graffin. Either way, we're not going. Because, we're not because we work too fucking hard and we're Grafton. needed here. That's what we are. Yeah, third and second hardest working man in show business. <laughs> <laughs> and for all of us hardest working men in showbiz, uh, for Aiden Gibbons from coldtoheights.com, he is at the Aiden Gibbons at coldtoheights.com. I am Tom Campbell on Twitter together. We're at Coldtoheights on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. See you later, aggregator. Lovely. Thanks, mate. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.